Well, good morning. It is good to be with you. I am Joel Wayne, one of the pastors here, and uh, I typically have the opportunity to be on this stage quite a bit. I haven't been up here for about three years, um, is what it feels like, um, but it is so good to be back. I have missed you, um, and uh, now you've got to tolerate me for almost every week for the next three years, um, but I love preaching the Word of God. And I don't know about, I hope that all of you love learning about the Word of God. Amen? Amen. So who's ready? Let's jump in. We know that we're in the book of Exodus. We've been walking through a series in Exodus. We've got three more weeks to hit that. I'll give you a quick understanding of where we're going to go. Um, We've got three weeks to finish up Exodus. Today I'm going to walk through Exodus 32, 33, and 34, um, and then we get to cover the remaining of it next week, and then the following, really talk about the dwelling of God. In August, we're going to hit a series on the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we're going to hit that in August, and then this fall, we're going to walk through the book of Hebrews. So get ready for that. It's going to be a lot of fun for us. Um, As we walk through the book of Exodus... Chapter 32, 33, 34, I would actually like to begin in Exodus chapter 24. Why not? When I already preached three chapters, why not go back to 24? Um, Exodus chapter 24, this is what it says, verse 18. All right, we're just going to jump in here. It says, Moses entered the cloud. Remember, you got the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, some other things happening in 21 and 22. Um, All of a sudden, Moses goes up on top of Mount Sinai, and this is what takes place. Moses entered the cloud, went up on the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. So we already know that that's what's been happening. So until Exodus chapter 32, I think it's Exodus chapter 32, verse 15, um, Moses comes back for the first time off of the mountain. He's been up there ever since, receiving the instruction on the tabernacle. That's what you've been hearing in the last several weeks being preached. Receiving the instruction on the high priest, receiving instruction on what they should and should not be doing. So the, the people, is the, even though we've been walking through the tabernacle and the high priest and Pastor Jim and Pastor Luke have been walking through that with us, we need to understand that Moses has been up on the mountain. Also, you need to understand that they are coming from Exodus where they were not monotheistic, which is one God. They were what? Polytheistic, multiple gods. They would make a God for absolutely everything. All right, and they wanted to have a physical God with them, something they could touch and grab and like, okay, yes, that's, that's the God for us. And so they, would, they were polytheistic. We understand that from their background and from their uh, history in, in uh, Egypt. And all of these things are, are happening and taking place. And what ends up happening then is that the people are like, man, Moses has been gone a while. So Moses is God's representative to the people of Israel. And their representative, right, is gone. That they, they want to see and touch, right? Okay, where is he? And they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. And so they're trying to figure this out because Moses is still up on the mountain. And so very quickly what we see unfolding is that the people are in the wilderness. They're without their primary leader, without their guide, without that representative of who this one true God is. They're moving from polytheism to monotheism. And they're struggling. And they don't know what to happen because now they're in the wilderness. They can't go back to Egypt. And they're trying to figure out all of these things. So they're scared. I think they're truly scared. 
I'm not saying they don't have reason to be scared, but I think they're going, okay, wait a second. Why is it that we uh, feel lonely right now? Why do we feel scared and afraid? We don't have that tangible God or representative in front of us. Oh, I know what we'll do. Let's make some more gods. Idiots. Right? Now, we do the same thing. But we know this because here in the book of Exodus, chapter 32, if you jump over there now, Here's what's happening. You've heard of it before, hopefully. If not, maybe it's new to you, but it's called the golden calf. And this is what happens. This is what we've been doing for thousands of years. When we don't believe that God is filling a void in our life, when we don't find contentment and fulfillment in God and God alone, we come up with other things to worship. We are, every single person in this world is worshiping something. It's simply a matter of what it is. Everyone. It can be self, it can be wealth, it can be um, relationships, it can be your career, your job, all different types of things, but we all create, it can be sports, music, it doesn't matter. Everybody is worshiping something, it's just a matter of what it is, and they don't see God's representative amongst them anymore, and so they're like, hey, we need to do something about this. And so what we see in Exodus 32 is when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, he had been there 40 days and how, what, how many nights? 40 nights. He still has not come down yet. The people gathered themselves together to Aaron, so they came to Aaron. Aaron is the brother of Moses, right? They knew this, and they said to him, up, get up, make us gods, lowercase g, who shall go before us. As for this Moses... The man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Now, there's also a, ladder, a matter of they did not have any patience. Because, yes, he's been up there for 40 days and 40 nights, but they had already seen God deliver them out of the hand of Pharaoh. All those plagues that God won every single time. The sea had been divided. He had, they had been delivered over and over again. And yet now, after five weeks, they're like, oh, don't know where Moses is. Make some new gods. That's why I'm saying, friends, if you're praying for God to do a mighty act in your life every single day and to do whatever you want, it's only time before you still betray God. Unless you just truly find fulfillment in him. God is not here to meet your needs. You are here to give him glory. He's already met your need in the giving of his son, Jesus Christ. Remember, he doesn't owe you anything else. So when we step back into this and we look at Exodus chapter 32, now all of a sudden they're saying, hey, come on, make us, make us a God. Make gods before us. We don't know what's happened to Moses. So Aaron said to them, and this is why I just want to take, oh man, I have one brother. He's, he's three years older than I am, not nearly as good looking. And so um, that's what I tell him all the time. And he just shakes his head. But I, 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 I just imagine, here's my one brother, and this is what he does. Here's Aaron. Aaron said to them, take off your rings of gold that are in the, the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So he goes along with it. They demand Aaron, give them a God, give them gods to fill this void in their life. They don't know what to do. Oh no, what do we do now? We worship a different God supposedly, but we don't know where that God is because Moses isn't here. What are we going to do? We've got to fill it with something. And it led to disaster. Here's the thing. The people tried to find peace in constructing a false God. Rather than relying on the only true God. And so they, they, that's what they did, guys. That's what we're doing. Now, if you're new here in the last few weeks to Chapel Point, 
Um, one thing you're going to find out about me very quickly is I'm directing to the point. We do this constantly. Hello, social media. Right? You don't find contentment. If you have your phone near you, you've got to be scrolling. Right? Like you literally, and then you're like, oh, I don't have to have it. Well, then leave it at home. See what happens. None of us are all that important, guys. Right? We said a lot here. The seven and a half billion people on the planet, we're not all that. Hello. And it ends up being a God. I got to know what's happening. I got to see the picture of what they ate last night for dinner. Right? Oh, I got to see. Did you see what they were wearing? Oh, my goodness. And you actually feel better for that. Because we've created false gods, not only with that, but with sports. When was the last time we've told sports no because we had to go worship rather than telling the opposite? When was the last time we said, no, we can't play because you're playing when we gather together as the people of God to worship the one true God who is the creator and the sustainer? Don't you see our society has flipped the priorities? The priority is always God. Do we get this? And I go, man, they don't get it. Right away, the ten words spoken to them, Exodus chapter 20, Ten Commandments, very first, we know that the first four are all about your relationship with you and God. The next six are all about your relationship with you and others. The very first of the Ten, ten Commandments is have no other gods before me. Everybody say, have, everybody say no other gods. Say it with as much convict, because if, if you can't say it with boldness right now, you will fall to that later. No other gods. And they broke it right away. No other gods, the first commandment. And now they grab the brother of Moses and says, give us some more gods. We don't know what to do with ourselves. And, and, and I'll, I'll be direct and honest with you in, in terms of, I, I don't even think, I don't think that Aaron, I don't think that the people were trying to abandon Yahweh, but they didn't know what to do, so they were trying to add to Yahweh. Give us something. Again, I don't think they were trying to say, oh, no more of that. I just, they, don't, they didn't know what to do, so they started to add. And so they just wanted to add on to Yahweh. Guys, guys, there's no other gods, and there are no add-ons. God does not need to be improved upon. So there's no other gods, no add, add-ons. Say no add-ons. Because that's what we do in life sometimes is we want to add on. Again, I don't think that Aaron and the people were trying to just say, no, no more Yahweh. But they didn't know what to do, so they just started to add. And they were like, hey, okay, well, we'll just start making some, some small gods right over here. And we'll have a small god over here and a small god over here. And here they are breaking the commandments of God, of the Lord, of Yahweh. And so... Aaron's like, take off your rings, bring them to me. He received the gold, fashioned it, graving tool, made a golden calf. Ah. He said to them, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Oh, my goodness. 
See, when you start having add-ons to God or even false gods, what ends up taking place is you will end up giving them glory and credit for something that they didn't do. The one true God, Yahweh, the Lord, brought them out of Egypt, delivered them out of captivity, delivered them out of slavery, and now they, they crafted a golden calf out of some earrings and some other objects, and they say, see, look what brought you out. Look at what delivered you. The only thing that provides deliverance is the Lord our God. No add-ons. And they break that first commandment right away. In fact, verse 6 says, They rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose, to, rose up to play. When it says they rose up to play, all of a sudden, here come, Aaron's, Aaron steps away and they start to do a bunch of dumb stuff. That's what that says. When it says rose up to play, it doesn't mean, here. hey, let's go play cornhole. By the way, I am a professional if anybody wants to challenge me. Um, just letting you know. I look at it, I go, wait, what, what does that mean? It means that they, they woke up, they, they started to do a bunch of dumb stuff for self. Okay? So here they are coming up to play. And, and the Lord said to Moses, here's Moses, he's still on top of the mountain. Remember Exodus chapter 24? He's still on top of the mountain at this point, And he says, go down to your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt. They have corrupted themselves so when you this is the magnitude of what you've done when you have any other god and that's the hard thing nobody thinks that we have nobody goes you know what i have other gods in my life there's probably very few of us in this room who would go you know what? i have other gods in my life right now other things that take anything that takes priority over god at any time is an idol all right it's that simple but this is what happens when you allow there to be another God or where you allow there to be add-ons in your life. It says that you corrupt yourself. You're corrupted. Right? Corruption is the beginning of the downfall of a society. I think it's one of the biggest issues that we have in the church today is that we've given in to false gods and other things, and we've tried to add on and add on. Even the, I think even sometimes the way we do church, we, we want things to be a particular way. We can worship the way we worship rather than worshiping the God of our worship. As long as we have enough emotion in the worship, as long as we have the right songs, as long as we have this, as long as we have this, as long as we have this, and we start to have all these add-ons, but yet we know that it corrupts us. It says they corrupted themselves. And as we look at this, they corrupted themselves. They've turned aside, this is verse 8, quickly. They turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. Didn't take them long. Wow. They made for themselves a golden calf, and I've worshipped it and sacrificed it. These are your gods, is what they said, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. This is God speaking to Moses. Imagine how upset God is. I'm the one who did all these things, so they would give me glory. Now they construct false gods to give it glory. And yet we know that our God is a jealous God. Have you given attention to something other than God? The people, and the Lord said to Moses, I have seen these people, this people, and behold, it's stiff-necked people. Stiff-necked. Like they don't get it. Come on. Therefore, let me alone. That might, this, this is God's response. They're corrupted now. And so God's response, they made a covenant. They made a covenant, like a marriage covenant. Israel and God, they made a covenant with one another. 
And here's what comes of it. It says, now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. I'm going to get rid of all those other yahoos who have been corrupted. I'll give you some other people to build a nation out of. Why do we think that that's wrong? Like right now, as I preach this, some of us right, right here are probably going, oh, that doesn't feel good. Why do we think there's no consequence for our wrongdoing? I know our God is a God of grace, amen? God of mercy, amen? Abounding in mercy, abounding in grace is what Scripture tells us in the New Testament. But there is consequence to our wrongdoing. If there were absolutely no consequence of any wrongdoing, our world, do you not understand it, would be completely chaotic. So do you only want the, the correction for other people but not for yourself? It doesn't work that way. And so here, all this, what we see is, don't you get, there's a consequence. And now, right away, didn't take you long, God said, wow, that was quick. And it says that his wrath was burning hot against them. Moses is still up on the mountain with them, and he implores to God, please don't do this, please don't do this, please don't do this. So he begs him, please don't do this. He implores the Lord his God and said, please don't let your wrath burn hot against your people. And he even gives them some reasons why. Verse 12, he says, the first reason, hey, it's not a good witness. <laughs> like Moses, Moses is the man of courage, by the way. The way he spoke to God, whoo, I don't speak like that to anybody. He's like, hey, no, no he's, the, he's the guy. He's God. Hey, don't do this. No, it's not going to be good. Right? Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants. You swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. You can't do this. And so the Lord, it tells us in verse 14, I know I'm going quick. But somebody told me to preach three chapters a day. I wouldn't make fun of that person, but it was me. The Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. So the Lord relented in verse 14. So he was going to, man, his wrath, he was going to burn hot against the people. Moses implored against the Lord, please don't do this, please don't do this. And so he listened. So that's a good thing to know, to recognize. But just be reminded of this. In all that was happening, these people needed to have a consequence for what they were doing. If there are no consequences, you'll end up just doing anything that you want. And good intentions don't excuse disobedience. Again, I don't think they were trying to even just go forget Yahweh, but they were trying to add on to Yahweh. And they're like, where is he? What do we do now? And very quickly, they started creating other gods. And friends, good intentions, it does not excuse disobedience. Idolatry, this is, I, I preached on this when I was talking about the Ten Commandments. Idolatry can be understood as the godly becoming simply good, right? That should actually be a capital G. Um, let's make sure we change that, please, for the next few services here. Uh, idolatry can be understood as the godly becoming simply good and the good becoming godly. Right? We end up taking the godly and making it just good, and then we take the good things, and we're like, oh, we're going to elevate those things. And before we know it, that's what we've added on to the one true God, Yahweh. That's a very simple way of understanding idolatry. That's what happens. It's not intentional, but good intentions don't excuse disobedience. If you're disobedient, you're still disobedient. 
Hey, go clean your room. I didn't clean my room. Why didn't you clean your room? Well, I was trying to do some other stuff. I, I didn't mean it. I had good intentions. What was the intention? Right? Sometimes we lighten the fact that we're still disobedient. And when you make light of disobedience, you, will, you are making light of sin. When you make light of disobedience, you are making light of sin. I know there are a lot of places today you said, you can't say sin. Yes, I can. We are sinners. We're deserving of damnation, of hell, and yet we have received eternal life through Jesus Christ. It's called grace. I will preach that every single day. So we look at this and I say, wait a second, why are the people so messed up then? Why did they do all this? Well, here's what happens in the end of chapter 32. Moses then finally, I told you chapter 32, verse 15, he finally goes down from the mountain. Forty days, forty nights, he goes down from the mountain himself. Two tablets in his te- uh, of the testimony in his hand. So here he's got the commandments, the ten words that God gave him that he wants to share with the people. Tablets right there. It says the tablets were the work of God. Verse 16, the writing was the writing of God. Engraved on the tablets, Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted. And he said to Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. And he said, it's not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of a cry of defeat. It's but it's singing. And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot. So Moses is bothered that God gets angry because God already knew what was happening. But now that Moses stepped off of the mountain and he saw what was happening, now he's angry. He's like, what are you doing? So he threw the tablets out of his hands, broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder, scattered it on the water, and made the people of Israel drink it. Moses is furious, seeing this for himself, so he smashed these tablets out of anger because you've got to know that this covenant between God and Israel was like a wedding, and so he's smashing it as though it's a knoll. Like, here's, this, here's Israel, here's God. They made a covenant together. They broke it, so he's smashing these commandments and saying, okay, that, that covenant that you made with God is now annulled. What have you done? When you no longer understand the gravity of having other gods, of having add-ons to the one true God, you fail to recognize that you are breaking the covenant that you have made with God. It is annulled. Don't you get it? That's why he's coming. He's smashing these things down. And he's, man, he then steps in and he steps into his brother. He's like, man, what, what have you done? What did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? Now, here's what Aaron does. Aaron very quickly says, let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know, the people, they're set on evil. They just said, make us gods. And this is what he says. He's like, hey, listen, it just kind of (laughs) happened. So I said to them, "Let any." they came to me. I said, verse 24, let any of you who have gold take it all. So they gave it to me. I threw it in the fire, and out came this calf. What do we say? Like when I was little, a liar, liar, pants on fire. Oh, my goodness. So Moses saw the people are broken loose. He didn't know what all to do. Long story, very short on this, is Aaron somewhat gets off the hook. 
But what ends up taking place is Moses came, spoke to the people, and he says, listen, you've sinned a great sin. Now I'm going to go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement. Verse 33, the Lord said to Moses, though, whoever has, when, when Moses goes before, the Lord said, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Moses is like, please, no. So he sends on a plague. We don't know a lot of these details, the very last verse of chapter 32, but God sends a plague. Long story, very, very short again, is 3,000 of the people who were, who were part of this had to die. So they take swords and they have to kill them. You know, man, that's, that's wrong. That's wrong. No, they betrayed the creator of the universe. So I do think, in a way, Aaron was punished because he, he, that was on him, man. That was on him. Give you some context, basically the size of this church had to all die. Think about that. What? But they betrayed God. They, they, they had an add-on. They annulled the covenant that they had made with him. So he said, no, you can't do this. Chapter 33 comes. I'm going to go pretty fast through 33 to get to 34. But 33 comes and there's a command to leave Sinai. Lord said to Moses, depart. You're going to leave this place. I'm going to give you the land that I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He brings that back up. I'm going to send an, send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And he, he's letting them know this is the land flowing with milk and honey. So I'm going to drive all these people out. Now, here's one of the things that stands apart here is that the Lord says, I'm going to send an angel to do this rather than send his presence to do this. It's similar, but it's not the same. But he's like, hey, listen, this is what's going to happen. So Moses comes before him. The people heard this disastrous word. They mourned, verse 4. They're like, now where are we going? What's going on now? Moses comes before the Lord and says, man, listen, don't just, I need you to go with us, God. Don't just send an angel. Come with us. Be a part of this with us. Don't you remember that you have said to us, verse 12 and 13, I know you by name and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. Don't forget us. And he said, my presence will also go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, don't bring us up here. Don't bring us up from here. Don't do it. So the Lord said to Moses in verse 17, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. You have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses says, please show me your glory. Do you ever pray that, by the way? God, just show me your glory. God, just show me your glory. Show me your ways. So the Lord said to Moses, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. So Moses ends up making new tablets. I mean, if you're not following along with this, again, I know I'm going fast, but if you're not following along, the, 
the people of God did a disastrous thing in making false gods, having add-ons to Yahweh. God was furious, then Moses was furious. They annulled the covenant. And Moses then comes back to the Lord and begs God, please don't do this. Let these people please. And he goes, well, fine. Some of these people still need to be punished. So 3,000 of them had to die. And so now he's going to allow them to make this covenant again. So Moses goes, and overnight he cuts granite once again, and he's getting these stones, and he's getting, getting them ready. Huge task going up and down this mountain. Because God told him in verse 1 of chapter 34, the Lord said to Moses, cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I'll write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Be ready by the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. No one shall come with you. So Moses, verse 4, cut two tablets of stone like the first. He rose up early. He got that very thing. The Lord descended in verse 5 in the cloud and stood there with him. The Lord passed before him. The Lord, the Lord, a God of merciful. I love this. All of a sudden, what you see in, verse, uh, in, in these verses, all the way up to verse 9, really, in chapter 34, is you, there's 13 attributes. I'm not going to spend time on them, but there are 13 attributes listed about who God is. And God's character and what he does is always found in these attributes. It's a picture. If, you don't, if someone says, oh, well, tell me more about who God really is, go to Exodus chapter 434. It says, the Lord, verse, starting with verse, 30, uh, verse 6, it says, The Lord, the Lord, a God of merciful, who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, abounding in faithfulness, who is steadfast love for thousands, forgiving sin, uh, right? Iniquity, transgression, and sin. He, it goes through these attributes of who God is. So here's God reminding him, hey, bring the tablet, new tablets back up. Here's who I really am. And so I'm going to give you these laws once again. Now, upon hearing all of this, in verse 8, Moses bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. And he said, if, I have now found, if, if now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. When we look at this, here's Moses, and God, yes, he gives us description of who he is. Shows how willing God is to forgive and his mercy that abounds. But then, verse 9, it shows me, verse 8 and 9, when it says, Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth, and he worshiped. And he said, oh, please, God. Let the Lord go in the midst of us. I know that we're stiff-necked. I know that we're sinful. I know that we're messed up. But really what he's wanting to do is he's wanting to revere God. Moses, I truly believe in this. He reveres God. Do you, here's the, a big, big question. Do you revere God? It's a big question. I like it because I don't think we ask that type of question anymore. 
or you're so overwhelmed by God because you understand his attributes that as soon as you hear of any of the attributes of God, you're bowing down and worshiping. Oh my goodness, that is the Lord, my Lord, the God of gods. He is the King of kings. I will revere him. I will worship him, give him glory and give him honor because we know in all things it's God's glory, God's honor, and we want to come before him. Do you revere him? Uh, the word is a verb, right? And it means to, to, to feel deep respect or admiration for something. Do you simply appreciate what God has done? Or do you have so much respect and admiration for him that you want to bow before him? We don't bow enough anymore. When you don't bow, you lose a sense of admiration, of reverence, of revering something. Right? If the, if the chairs aren't comfortable enough, people don't come. I remember when the first church I went to, the, we, not only did we have pews, they didn't have cushions. The pews were from the 1890s, and guess what? They made noise when you moved in them. But the good news is nobody slept on them because they were so uncomfortable. In the New Testament church, they didn't really have, they didn't have this. They just gathered where they come. If that meant they stood outside doing everything they could just to listen to the word of God, for hours upon hours they would because they revered God. Now we don't revere God. We just expect God to do for us. And if we're not comfortable enough, if the air's not cold enough, or if it's too hot or whatever it is, all of a sudden we're like, I can't go to that church. I'm having to sweat too much. Who cares? Who cares? I just can't listen. I had the arduous task this last week to go to Mexico. I got my fake tat, right? Won't be here in a week, so I have to appreciate it right now. Also, I woke up every day. I woke up one day, the heat index at 845 in the morning was 101. So what? Let's get up and worship. I looked outside, I'd start sweating. And today we'd be like, that's too inconvenient. We can't do it. Because we've lost reverence for God. I mean, do you have that, that, that fear of the Lord? Which literally, I, I truly believe fear of the Lord means that you have jaw-dropping awe of who he is. And so we see that in chapter 34, God renews this covenant. And he tells them two things. I want to point out chapter 34, 12 and 15 very quick. He says this, he says, take care lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go. Verse 15, he says, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. Friends, you better know what your covenant is with God, lest you make a covenant with the wrong God. Like if you're not adamant about what God has asked you to do, and this is what we've done in the American church today, because we've lost our way, we've lost our, guys, we have lost our way. And he's letting them know, if you're not adamant, I love it because I saw it right away. I was like, oh man, he's saying this twice. Lest you make a covenant with the wrong God. Lest you make a covenant with the wrong people. And what we're doing is we're listening to the wrong voices. So now we're making a covenant, an agreement. That's what a covenant, part of what a covenant is. We make agreements with the wrong parties, with the wrong people, because we're actually not adamant in the covenant that we've made with the one true God. We've had add-ons. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Yeah, right? Yes? Class participation. It's all of us. 
That's, that's what we see happening. But he's like, hey, listen, no, you better not. You, and in verse 17, you shall not make for yourself any gods of cast metal. Don't do what you did again. Don't do it. Calls you 3,000 people before. He says, you better keep the feast. And he starts going through six days. He talks about Sabbath in verse uh, 21. Talks about some other things they need to be doing. Verse 25, you shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with anything leavened, right? Leaven represents what? Sin. Leaven and bread. That's why they would eat unleavened bread. Don't do it. It says in verse 27, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. That's what the Lord said to Moses. So Moses is back on top of the mountain. We know right here in chapter 34 because he takes the tablets. God makes this new covenant. He had to cut the new ones. He goes up there, attributes of God. Here's a new command I'm going to give you, the new covenant that I'm going to give you. Go live this well. And then Moses comes back down from Mount Sinai, verse 29, with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand. And he came down from the mountain, and Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. When you sit in the presence of God, people will know. He receives this amazing revelation of God's attributes. And when he comes down off the mountain, his face was radiant. And this is what I want to finish on. I, I'm going to look through these last few verses. And I want to show you. I, I, let's do this. I just made people nervous. If you're physically able, take a knee with me. And I want to I tell you about some things. I'm going to even bring this down here. I'll make sure I cover them all. Remember, I asked, do you revere God? Right? Do you actually revere God? Revere God. That's what their problem. If you don't revere God, you will make false gods. Here are some things that changed for Moses by being with God. I'm going to run through them. Because I think that if we revere God, these are the same things that will change in us. When you sit with God, when you bow before God, when you declare God, when you profess God, when you acknowledge God, when you call on the name of God. This should be, can we make this a normal posture for us? This is what happens with Moses. Chapter 34, verse 29. When Moses came down from the Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. One, when you're with God, it changes your appearance. It changes your countenance, right? You, you present differently. When you go hang out with your friends after this, you hold yourself differently. You're not a woe is me guy. You're like, no, I, I, yeah, that was wrong what they did to me. But, you know, I've got, I know the Lord. Like, God's so good to me. I'm good. Your, your physical posture changes because you know what it is to have eternal life through Jesus Christ. That makes it a good day. And so literally... It changed his appearance. Another thing it did is it changed, verse 30, it changed how others saw him. It says they saw him, and they were actually afraid. They're like, 
Oh my God, because he, he looked so different. So not only did it change his appearance, it actually changed how others saw him. So when you show up, because you've been sitting so much with God and revering him so much, all of a sudden you show up at work and they're like, what? Who are you? You, you look different. Verse 32 and 33, it says, that afterward, all the people of Israel came near. They finally got their, their courage up. And he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. So he spoke to them, but they actually came back and listened to him. So when you spend time with the Lord, it'll change how others listen to you. Because they'll know that there's a difference. They'll know, wow. Like if, if you come to me, you should know that I'm not trying to give you my advice. I'm trying to give you advice according to God. What does the scripture say? What does the word of the Lord say? It'll change how others listen to you. If you want to be a person of influence, jump into the word of God more. Sit with God more. Call upon his name more. And by the way, sitting on our knees before God should not make us uncomfortable. Maybe a little bit physically. But it's a healthy spiritual posture for us because not only did it change how others listened to him, but finally it changed how Moses, verse 34 and 35, it changed how Moses approached God. The more time you spend with God, the more you will approach God with a reverence and an admiration and an honor and a glory. It says, the people of Israel would see the faces Moses, of Moses. This is the last verse. That the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. Like, that means it wasn't a little change. It was a lot of change. Because he had spent time with God. Maybe some of you need to make a new covenant with God. A new covenant. Maybe you made a covenant a long time ago and you've broken it so many times. That covenant, you God didn't, but maybe you annihilated it in many ways, right? And, and you're like, oh man, but God's waiting for you to come back and he's ready to make a covenant with you. He's ready for you to renew the covenant, for you to spend time with him so that your face may shine to others in a way that you've never experienced before. Are you ready for that? No other gods. Say no other gods. No add-ons. Just God. Just God. Amen? God, thank you for letting us come before you. May we revere you more than we ever have before. May we call upon your name. May we radiate with your love and your peace because we spend so much time with you, God. Because we know that you, Lord, you are also the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, according to, to Paul. And we find freedom in you. May we find freedom in you. May you receive glory. In Christ's name, amen.